bone and sickle. Bleeding saints and forest witches, the past unburied, the books unsealed, the old celebration returning. Hello and welcome to my study. Please come in and have a seat. All the books surrounding you are those used as sources for our show. Uh, we will be sharing with you tonight some interesting selections from one of these volumes, uh, assisted as always by the housekeeper of this estate and co-host of this show, Mrs. Carswell. Hello. Well, I uh, hope everyone is enjoying the summer, perhaps even with a bit of time off. Yes, and thank you to Vanessa for your note about the owl earrings. I'll try to upload pictures this week. Oh, maybe you should get one with the owl bag while you're at it. Yes, it just arrived this morning. A smart little shoulder bag embroidered with an owl. You'd be surprised how much owl merchandise there is on eBay. You've certainly had a lot of packages out on the porch. What was that one really big one? My owl bedspread. It's all fleecy and soft and comforting. Oh, well, I... I can see how that might help create some positive associations after your uh, Strix incident. It really does. Same for the cozy owl slippers. I really appreciate you being supportive of all this. Mother says I'm just trying to buy my way out of a problem. She got really mean about it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. She just doesn't remember what it's like to be young and buying things. You know, there's a whole community out there that's into owls, mainly vintage owl stuff. There's one woman, Katie, who runs a blog called Vintage Hoot, who shares something new every day. I signed up for her newsletter and have had some very nice exchanges in the comment section. People who like owls are very supportive. I feel like it might be a good way to get to know people. It's not just buying stuff. Mother has it all wrong. I'm glad you're enjoying it all. And I got you an owl mug, since you like owls. Oh, you didn't need to do that. Well, that's what people who like owls do for each other. Anyway, they came in a set. Did you see the oven mitts? No, um, but, well, with all this uh, owl desensitizing, I'm, I'm guessing you might be ready to go out to the solarium and see Strix in person soon. That is a, a, a real owl. Oh, but, but why? I feel like I'm already surrounded by owls. Owls, owls, and more owls. Oh. oh I, I I might even get an owl tattoo, but just a painless, temporary one. I'm not crazy. Did I tell you? I have an owl candle that smells like cinnamon. Well, two of them anyway, and I'm waiting to see about that owl clock. It's so cute, with eyes that move back and forth and back and forth. But I'm I'm in a bidding war on that one. I'm so Angry with Sheila1981. I don't know who she thinks she is. She has a shop on eBay, but it's all just trash. Little odds and ends nobody wants. Just trash. 
She's not a real owl person. It's not about the money. It's about appreciating owls, really appreciating owls, and being supportive and having fun and being funny, too, because, you know, there are so many owl jokes after all. You know how it goes. Knock, knock. Who's there? Owl. Owl who? I'll be seeing you. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, are you? I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. Oh, we can start the show. I just, I need a cup of tea first. Uh, but you can start. Go ahead. Do the title part. I just need tea. I- I'm going to the kitchen. Don't record my footsteps. You'll never hear me. It's, it's fine. Just do your little bit. I'll be back. <laughs> Okay, um, this is episode 113, Russian Vampire Tales. I am your host, Al Reidenauer, and this show, Bone and Sickle, examines the intertwining of horror and folklore in a historical context. I started the show as a way to further explore this area of intersection after writing my book, The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas, and am currently working on a related volume. Bone and Sickle only exists thanks to the generosity of our Patreon donors who receive monthly rewards, including not one, but two short bonus episodes. And I'll have more on all that at the end of our show. Our stories tonight come from the 1873 volume Russian Folktales by W.R.S. Ralston, a leading light of the Imperial Geographical Society of Russia and author of The Songs of the Russian People. And so on to our first story, The Shroud. In a certain village, there was a girl who was lazy and slothful, hated working, but would gossip and chatter away like anything. Well, she took it into her head to invite the other girls to a spinning party. For in the villages, as everyone knows, it is the lazy bones who gives the spinning feast, and the sweet toast are those who go to it. Well, on the appointed night, she got her spinners together. They spun for her, and she fed them and feasted them. Among other things they chatted about was this, which of them was the boldest? Says the lazy bones, I'm not afraid of anything. Well then, say the spinners, if you're not afraid, go past the graveyard to the church, take down the holy picture from the door, and bring it here. Good, I'll bring it, only each of you must spin me a distaff's measure of cloth. That was just her sort of notion, to do nothing herself, but to get others to do it for her. Well, she went, took down the picture, and brought it home with her. Her friends all saw that, sure enough, it was the picture from the church. But the picture had to be taken back again, and it was now the midnight hour. Who was to take it? At length, 
the lazy bones said, You girls go on spinning. I'll take it back myself. I'm not afraid of anything. And so she went out to put the picture back in its place. As she was passing the graveyard on her return, she saw a corpse in a white shroud seated on a tomb. It was a moonlit night. Everything was visible. She went up to the corpse and drew away its shroud from it. The corpse held its peace, not uttering a word. No doubt, the time for it to speak had not come yet. Well, she took the shroud and went home. There, says she, I've taken back the picture and put it in its place, and what's more, here's a shroud I took from a corpse. Some of the girls were horrified. Others didn't believe what she said and laughed at her. But after they had supped and lain down to rest, all of a sudden, the corpse tapped at the window and said, Give me my shroud. The girls were so frightened they didn't know whether they were alive or dead. But the lazy bones took the shroud, went to the window, opened it, and said, There, take it. No, replied the corpse. Restore it to the place you took it from. Just then, the cock suddenly began to crow, and the corpse disappeared. Next night, when the spinners had all gone home to their own houses, at the very same hour as before, the corpse came, tapped at the window, and cried, Give me my shroud. Well, the girl's father and mother opened the window and offered him his shroud. No, says he. Let her take it back to the place she took it from. Really now, how could one go to a graveyard with a corpse? What a horrible idea, she replied. And just then, the cocks crowed and the corpse disappeared. Next day, the girl's father and mother sent for the priest and told him the whole story and entreated him to help them in their trouble. Couldn't a service be performed, they said. The priest reflected a while, then he replied, Please to tell her to come to church tomorrow. The next day, the lazy bones went to church. The service began, numbers of people came to it, but just as they were going to sing the cherubim song, there suddenly arose, goodness knows whence, so terrible a whirlwind that all the congregation fell flat on their faces. And it caught up that girl and then flung her down on the ground. The girl disappeared from sight. Nothing was left of her but a braid of her hair. Our next story is called The Coffin Lid. A peasant was driving along one night with a load of pots. His horse grew tired and all of a sudden it came to a standstill alongside of a graveyard. The peasant unharnessed his horse and set it free to graze. Meanwhile, he laid himself down on one of the graves, but somehow he didn't go to sleep. He remained lying there some time, and suddenly the grave began to open beneath him. He felt the movement and sprang to his feet. 
The grave opened, and out of it came a corpse wrapped in a white shroud and holding a coffin lid. Emerging from the grave, he ran to the church, laid the coffin lid at the door, and then set off for the village. The peasant, who was a daring fellow, picked up the coffin lid and remained standing beside his cart, waiting to see what would happen. After a short delay, the dead man came back and was going to snatch up his coffin lid, but it was not to be seen. Then the corpse began to track it out, trace it up to the peasant, and said, Give me my lid. If you don't, I'll tear you to bits. And my hatchet, how about that, answers the peasant. Why, it's I who will be chopping you into small pieces. Do give it back to me, good man, begs the corpse. I'll give it to you when you tell me where you've been and what you've done. Well, I've been to the village, and there I've killed a couple of children. Well, then tell me now how they can be brought back to life. The corpse reluctantly made answer. Cut off the left skirt of my shroud and take it with you. When you come into the house where the children were killed, pour some live coals into a pot and put the piece of the shroud in with them, and then lock the door, and the lads will be revived by the smoke immediately. The peasant cut off the left skirt of the shroud and gave up the coffin lid. The corpse went to his graveyard, and the grave opened. But just as the dead man was descending into it, all of a sudden, the cocks began to crow, and he hadn't time to get properly covered over. One end of the coffin lid remained sticking out of the ground. The peasant saw all of this, and made note of it. The day began to dawn, he harnessed his horses and drove into the village. In one of the houses he heard cries and wailing, in he went, and there lay two dead boys. Don't cry, says he. I can bring them to life. Oh, do bring them to life, kinsmen, say the relatives. We'll give you half of all that we possess. The peasant did everything as the corpse had instructed him, and the lads came back to life. The relatives were delighted, but the immediately seized the peasant and bound him with cords, saying, No, no, trickster, we'll hand you over to the authorities. Since you knew how to bring them back to life, maybe it was you who killed them. What are you thinking about, dear Christians? Have the fear of God before your eyes, cried the peasant. Then he told them everything that had happened to him during the night. Well, they spread the news throughout the village, and the whole population assembled and swarmed into the graveyard. They found out the grave from which the dead man had emerged, they tore it open, and they drove an aspen stake right into the heart of the corpse, so that it might no more rise up and slay. But they rewarded the peasant richly, and sent him home with great honor. And our third story, The Dog and the Corpse. A peasant went out in pursuit of game one day and took a favorite dog with him. He walked and walked through the woods and bogs, 
but got nothing for his pains. At last, the darkness of night surprised him. At an uncanny hour, he passed by a graveyard, and there, at a place where two roads met, he saw standing a corpse in a white shroud. The peasant was horrified and knew not which way to go, whether to keep on or to turn back. Well, whatever happens, I'll go on, he thought, and on he went, his dog running at his heels. When the corpse perceived him, it came to meet him, not touching the earth with its feet, but keeping about a foot above it, the shroud fluttering after. When it had come upon the huntsman, it made a rush at him, but the dog seized hold of it by its bare calves and began a tussle with it. When the peasant saw his dog and the corpse grappling with each other, he was delighted that things had turned out so well for himself, and he set off running home with all his might. The dog kept up the struggle until cock crow, when the corpse fell motionless to the ground. Then the dog ran off in pursuit of its master, caught him up just as he reached home, and rushed at him, furiously trying to bite and rend him. So savage was it, and so persistent, that it was as much as the people of the house could do to beat it away. Whatever has come over the dog, asked the peasant's old mother. Why should it hate its master so? And the peasant told her all that had happened. A bad piece of work, my son, said the old woman. The dog was disgusted at your not helping it. There it was, fighting with the corpse, and you deserted it. I thought only of saving yourself. Now it will owe you a grudge for ever so long. Next morning, while the family were going about the farmyard, the dog was perfectly quiet. But the moment its master made his appearance, it began to growl like anything. They fastened it to a chain for whole year they kept it chained up. But in spite of that, it never forgot how its master had offended it. One day, it got loose, flew straight at him, and began trying to throttle him. And before anyone could come to offer aid, both dog and master fell dead together. And now our fourth and final story, The Two Corpses. A soldier had obtained leave to go home on furlough to pray to the holy images and to bow down before his parents. And as he was going his way, at a time when the sun had long set and all was dark around him, it chanced that he had to pass by a graveyard. Just then he heard that someone was running after him, crying, Stop! You can't escape! He looked back, and there was a corpse running and gnashing its teeth. The soldier sprang on one side with all his might to get away from it, caught sight of a little chapel, and bolted straight into it. There wasn't a soul in the chapel, but stretched out on a table there lay another corpse with tapers burning in front of it. The soldier hid himself in a corner and remained there, hardly knowing whether he was alive or dead, but waiting to see what would happen. Presently, up ran the first corpse, the one that had chased the soldier, and dashed into the chapel. Thereupon, the one that was lying on the table jumped up and cried to it, What hast thou come here for? I've chased a soldier in here, so I'm going to eat him. 
Come now, my brother, he's run to my house. I shall eat him myself. No, I shall. No, I shall. And they set to work fighting, stirring a whirlwind of dust in the air. They'd have gone on fighting ever so much longer, only the cocks began to crow. And then, both the corpses fell lifeless to the ground, and the soldier went on his way, homeward in peace, saying, Glory be to thee, O Lord, I am saved from the wizards. And now, a bit of poetry as we close our show with Carswell's Corner. In our last installment, we heard a little willy poem inspired by the work of Harry Graham. So it seemed a good time to return some credit where credit is due with a poem by Harry Graham himself. From his 1898 collection, Ruthless Rhymes for Heartless Homes, we have The Stern Parent. Father heard his children scream, so he threw them in the stream, saying as he drowned the third, children should be seen, not heard. I hope everyone's been enjoying our show and that you might have the opportunity to leave a review if you do. It uh, very much helps with the visibility of the show on the streamers. As promised at the top of the show, I'd like to provide a bit more on the rewards of joining Bone and Sickle via Patreon. A monthly pledge of $2 provides you immediate access to hundreds of our blog posts in which I share curious tidbits from history, folklore, and uh, films related to the uh, general subject matter. Donating a mere $4 or more monthly brings you not one, but two short extra episodes. Other rewards include downloads of the show Soundscapes, heard under the narration, the show scripts, my Krampus book, various t-shirt and mug options, the bone and sickle candle, and unique and hand-packed mystery kits. Pledges start at $1 monthly and can be cancelled at any time. Also, for those of you interested in t-shirts and such, uh, you can also purchase those by visiting Bone and Sickle on Shopify. Uh, And we have some new subscribers we want to acknowledge this time around. Thank you to Mads Bovbjerg of Denmark, Svenja from Germany, and from New Orleans, Vanessa Fay, who's involved with the Krampus run down there, apparently. Bone and Sickle is written and produced by me, Al Reitnauer. Mrs. Carswell is played by Sarah Chavez, whose projects and writing related to death and culture you can track at sarah-chavez.com. Thanks so much for listening.